0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. This week, as we start this new series, and we basically took from Easter back in the book of John, and it's perfect. It's like God meant it this way, because we start when it really starts, when this idea, the the title of the series is Mission Redemption, and it's twofold, as that song said, There was a miracle in the resurrection, but there was a miracle that remained. And it's that Christ lived inside of us. And so while Christ was on this walk to his death, and eventually his resurrection, he was saying things to sustain those who would stay. And that's where we find ourselves in this story. So if you have your Bible, turn to John 15. This is Thursday night. This is Thursday night, and we are, a lot of things have happened. This has been a, a jam-packed day in the life of Jesus and his disciples. Um, Jesus has washed their feet, not normal. You should read about that. That's John 13. Judas's betrayal has been predicted by Jesus. Then Judas goes and leaves to fulfill his betrayal. Peter has pledged his allegiance, his undying allegiance. I will die with you nothing can stop me, nothing, Jesus. And Jesus says, Peter, stop before the rooster crows. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you've ever been to places where where there are a lot of roosters, um, they are crowing all the time. But that rooster, when it crowed, Peter knew what he had done, and it was the truth of Peter. And so Jesus is revealing the truth of Peter. He also revealed the truth of us. That's John, at the end of John 13, John 14, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, they're all worried. He's like, hey, no, you know where I'm going. And they're like, no, we don't know where you're going. That's happening this night. The Last Supper has happened this night. Things are happening. Things are being said. Jesus is trying to repeat what he said, but nobody's listening. And this last time he says, guys, I'm leaving and I'm not doing this. I'm doing what the Father has sent me here to do. Something snapped. Jesus says, in one one gospel account, says they, they joined hands, they sang a song, and then they left. But The gospel of John just says, Jesus said, now it's time for us to go. Let's get up. Let's leave. And on this walk, we find ourselves in John 15 in dead silence. The reality of what they've been told is finally ringing true. Have you ever just not been listening, right? And you're like, wait, now? So I have three brother-in-laws, uh, one you know well, Seth, one you might not know well, uh, Stephen. Stephen, um, one time was going with some buddies, that new buddy had just got a plane, and they were going for what they call a $100 hamburger. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's pilot slang for when they need some time or some hours in the, in the air, they'll go from one airport to the other just to get some time and while they're there they'll get a hamburger so they used to call it a $100 hamburger now it's more like a $500 hamburger. Steven went with some friends some years ago in a new plane and they took off. They're flying to Brenham, home of one of the best $100 hamburgers and as they took off in the air they're just everything's normal guys are joking around guys are laughing ha 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 next thing you know oil shoots on the windshield of the plane and the pilot begins to call mayday, 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 mayday. And so I, I've asked him about this. I mean, so I'm like, what, were, were people just losing their mind? Did the reality just, did they lose their mind? He said, absolutely not. He said, it was dead silent. Because you realized that you were in a circumstance that you signed up for this was a challenge you knew was in there, and there's nothing you could do to get out of it. And I said, so what happened? Is that everybody was just dead silent? I so said, what were we thinking about He said, I wasn't thinking, I was just thinking, this is it. Nobody survives small plane crashes. So they, they hear this mayday, mayday, it's dead silent. He said, that there's no motor, nothing's turning. But everybody's beginning to think about one thing. Guess I'm not going to live forever. I guess this isn't real. How Whatever plan they had, they now realize that's not the plan. Mayday, mayday, mayday. 290 in Togi, there's a bus barn and there's a little airport right on the other side. They come down. He said the fastest he's ever been and the closer they got to the ground, the faster they went. The faster they went, the faster they went, the faster they went. And this is when it's going to happen this is when it's going to happen and they hit down on the ground and the plane begins to skid out and he and they hit some buses and things get crazy everybody lived praise the lord but that's not the point. see jesus disciples were in a similar situation maybe you're in the same situation maybe this year this whatever however doesn't matter maybe you've said everything i've tried And now it hasn't worked and there's a reality that I'm facing. I can't get out of this situation. Jesus' disciples were there also. They had signed up despite what Jesus had said, despite the things he had said. It's all in there. You can read it. Jesus had told them time and time and time again what would be their eventual outcome as a result of following him. And now as they walk towards the death of Jesus they realize this might not have been what they signed up. But Jesus, in his love, reaches out to them as they're listening. And maybe today he's reaching out to you as you're listening finally to the truth. And it's real, real good news. See, that's the thing. It's kind of heavy in here. And the heaviness is a reality that the the likelihood of us living the life that we should live in Christ often isn't the case. Because our life is living a life for ourselves. And as we wrestle with that idea and the truth of who God is, that's always a tension. And right now we're faced with that tension and a choice. Jesus' disciples were the same boat. And if Jesus could give them one bit of advice, the first thing you would say when somebody is listening... Here's what he says I am. See, for you and me, that's just a way to say things, right? It's just a way to proclaim something about ourselves. But when Jesus says it, for a Jewish person to say, I am, Jesus is saying, listen to me. What you've always thought about God, I am. Jesus is saying, I am that. And as they left the upper room and as they're walking down through the Valley Kidron up to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? The places you've probably seen your aunt or uncle portraying in like some Easter pageant. These are real places. And as they're walking, it's alleged that why Jesus brought up this topic in particular was because they were walking through the temple. The temple was open, they were celebrating the feast of Passover, Jesus was to be the Passover lamb, and as they're walking through, on the gate of the temple proper was a picture of a vine and some golden grapes. And as they're walking through this gate, Jesus says, "The, the vine and the grapes represented Israel, and Jesus says, no, and here's what he says, I am the true vine. I am the better version of Jerusalem. I'm the better version of God's people. I'm the complete version of God's people. I am the true vine. And it's important, I think, that we understand this because sometimes we think God, Jesus is just saying things. No, it was to a particular people at a particular time that affects us for eternity. It's the way, it's this amazing way that the scriptures were written. But Jesus is looking at something and he says, no, I am the true vine. Jesus says, I am, ten times, including this, in the book of John. My favorite time is coming. Claiborne mentioned Abraham. Abraham was a very important person in Jewish faith. He's an important person to us as Christians. But when they were putting a lot of stock in Abraham, Jesus says, no, before Abraham, I am. And then the next time that we're going to get to When they came to arrest Jesus, see, we think Jesus is just this meek person, but Jesus was every bit God. And in his godness, when they said, we are here to arrest, he said, who are you here? And they said, we're here to arrest Jesus of Nazareth. And what's what he says, I am he. And everybody at the proclamation of his name is blown over by his power. See, he's fully God. And when his godness is on display, he's powerful. And so as Jesus has one thing to say to his people, his boy, his friends, his disciples, he says, guys, to make it, you need to understand a relationship paradigm. You need to understand a way something works. Starting in John 15, it says this. Here's the big idea. I want us us to understand this, that remaining in Christ allows us to love like Christ. Christ. Remaining in Christ allows us to love like Christ. You cannot love like Christ unless we remain in Christ. And Christ spends a lot of verses here explaining how that relationship works. See, he constantly is imploring his disciples. We'll get to that in a minute. To to become like Christ, to remain in Christ, to abide, to continue in the ways of Christ allows us to love like Christ. John 15, one says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. So we get some context there, perhaps where Jesus was when he brought that up. Jesus is saying that I'm the better version. I'm the true version and I'm the reason I'm the true vine. And here, then he begins to make a picture for those to follow. He says this, he, the gardener, his father, God cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. Some of your versions may say he prunes and washes those. So they will produce more fruit. And Jesus tells them, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, listen, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. The term remain, I like to use the term continue, means to stay the course no matter what. And if I was going to tell people who were following me, if Jesus is like, if I could tell you one thing, no matter what, stay in me, not passive, not show up, not go to the temple, not go to your buddy's house and No, this abiding, this continuing is an active way. Jesus says in John 8, 31 and 32, he says, hey, these people were starting to believe. These Jewish people were starting to believe. And he's like, hey, if you want to be my disciple, then abide in me. What that means is then become like me. Actively disciple means thought with endeavor. Jesus is saying, if you want to be like me, you have to know what I would do. You have to know who I'd be, but then you have to do it. It's not just enough to know me the logos it's you have to do it also. So know and do thought with endeavor. So he's imploring his people, "Hey guys, listen. I'm the vine, I'm the source and if you don't remain in me, you will be fruitless. You will be cut off. A vine is valuable because its branches produce fruit. A branch that is not connected to the vine, is not producing fruit, it is not achieving its purpose, and a branch is useful for nothing. You can't build out of it. You can't make things out of it. It just is only made to warm yourself around a fire or to cook something. It's not useful for anything. When we remove ourselves from the source, when we don't abide in the ways of Christ, guess what? We aren't doing anything we should be doing. It's not like we're kind of doing it. If you're miserable in your life, it has nothing to do with how successful you are in this world. It has to do with the fact that it is very likely you are not doing anything that has anything or looks like anything that has to do with the ways of Jesus Christ. You can accomplish anything in this world and find yourself miserable. It's been repeated over and over again. Unless we abide, unless we remain, and the truth is this, I can't tell that, right? You can't, can't, you can't look at me and say, Jesse, the fruit's real or the fruit's not, right? There's some things we can do and fabricate, but listen, that's just like nailing fruit to a branch. What's going to happen to that fruit apart from the vine? I'm not really affluent in the acts of husbandry as far as that goes. But I can tell you this, if you take an apple and put it back on the tree, there is nothing you and I can do to make that apple stay alive. But when that apple is on the branch and that branch is connected to the vine, that fruit is showing proof that everything's working in order. Somebody gave us a lemon tree. Whoever did that, why? (laughs) You could come to my yard. There's not a flower bed there. Grass, barely making it. And I'll be honest, I looked at it a long time ago and said, guys, you're on your own. Somebody gave us a lemon tree, and I'm not really smart, but I can tell you right now, I walked by that lemon tree the other day, actually I tripped over it, because it's still about this high, and that lemon tree's not doing good. And I know that, because it's brown, and it's never produced a lemon, one time. Sorry. It, it, I don't have to know to know that it's supposed to do something it's not. And guess what happens if that lemon tree doesn't do that? It just dies. Eventually it runs its course, whatever shorter, We made it, and it just dies because the fruit is there to make more fruit. We eat the fruit, but the fruit's purpose is to reproduce and make more fruit. The fruit is proof of something being healthy and on purpose and alive. And Jesus is saying, listen, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vines, and you cannot be be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. It's a real reality. And it's not that you're like any of us are in here with just these intentional reasons, but for those of us, and listen, for those of us in this room who have at some point or another made a commitment to follow and become like Jesus Christ. Sometimes it says, I, You made a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ, not just a Christian, right? That's an easy word to say, but even here we're saying, Hey, no, are you, did you step over this line of faith and did you decide to take it from your head into an endeavor, thought with endeavor, to become a disciple, to look like and act like Jesus? For those of us who've made that decision, whenever we made that decision, this is for you and I, it's a reality. That it's not all good. That's not all, it has nothing to do with the success of the gospel in our lives. But well, listen to what verse 7 says: But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. So here's the question: What fruit do you produce? That's a, it's a real question. Nobody raise your hand. Please don't send me an email. And tell me about the fruit you're producing. It will almost eliminate the fruit you're producing. It's not my call. I'm not even, I don't walk around and go, man, that person's not producing any fruit. Yeah, I'm not a judge of that. Now, there is a reality that if I'm not producing fruit, that I'm not doing anything that I'm supposed to do. No, I didn't say how much money are you making. I didn't say, what does your family look like? That could be fruit, might not be. I'm saying, what fruit are you producing that proves that you are remaining in the teachings in the ways and becoming more and more like Jesus? That's the question. It's the last words that Jesus would say to his disciples, it must matter. You guys have followed me this time and now I'm telling you, if I could tell you one thing while you're listening, I would say, stay in me or you can't make it. Stay in me. Stay in me. Remain in me when it gets hard, when it doesn't look like it's working, when it seems like people are trampling all over you. Good thing he put that in there. Hey, guess what? When it feels like you're being walked all over, Jesus said, that's the place to be. There's one race in the Bible and it's to the back. The first shall be last. There's one place we should fight to get. It's the back There's one person we should glorify, and it says right here at the very end, when you produce much fruit, you're my true disciple, and this brings great glory to my father. You may not be the focus, but that's how you know you're doing it right. No one may know, but that's how you know you're doing it right. Because when we remain in Christ, there's a reason he's telling us to remain in him. Because when we remain in Christ, we have the ability to love like Christ. And he's telling us to remain in him, not just so that he can have a bunch of followers, but so that we can produce fruit. Well, how do we produce fruit? Well, we remain in him, and the result of remaining in him should be this, love. But Jesse, they're doing it wrong. Yes, I get it. But Jesse, you don't know what I've done. I do not, and it's worse than you think. But no, no, we remain in Christ and the fruit is produced not through our righteousness. But we remain in Christ because when we remain in Christ, we realize that we did nothing to get there. We didn't earn it. We couldn't earn it. And no matter what we do, it it pales in comparison. It's called filthy rags in the Bible. Whatever we can do is nothing compared to what he did. And so all we have is to say, hey, all I know is this. I used to be a miserable lost sinner, but God saved me through Jesus. Ephesians 2. I used to be dead, but now I'm alive. What did you do? Nothing. I just believed the truth about who Jesus was. And for those of you who have accepted that you have a responsibility to remain in Christ to call yourself a disciple. And the proof of that is not for me to see, but it's for you to see the fruit that is happening as a result. And that fruit looks a lot like this. Love. It is love. Problem is we aren't loving because we love us and loving us almost prohibits us from loving anything outside. So unless we see ourselves properly, we cannot love. But then Jesus tells us how. Remain in me and be my disciple. And this is what I'll have you to do. We go to verse 12 here, 15, 12. This is my commandment, Jesus says. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. This is almost like in three days, right? Tomorrow, what I do tomorrow, I want you to love people like the way I loved you. Tomorrow. The way I want you to love everybody in your life is the way I'm about to love you tomorrow. Because it's Thursday and Friday's coming and he knows that he's he's about to intensely pray to such a level that I could never understand and it says as if blood was coming out and he's praying to that level because what he's about to do for them is that heavy and it's not for him. But it was for you and me. And when we take that truth to someone else, that looks like love. And it looks like not acceptance of sin, but it looks like we can look at them and love them because we have something that can remove them from that sin and take that sin away and not judge them because of that sin, but go, hey, I was dead. There's no better dead than dead. You're dead. I'm dead. I was dead. There's no better dead. Dead is dead. Well, I, oh, I died doing this, and there's no better debt. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you tomorrow. And, of course, throughout this whole ministry, they followed him in. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Well, who's a friend? The last guy who asked that got a really cool illustration we've really used for a long time, right? Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? They were trying to nail Jesus down. Hey, what are the greatest commandments? Love God, love your neighbor. And is what they said. Well, who's my neighbor? Jesus said, pretty much everyone. So who are we removed from loving? No one. this is not some preacher standing up trying to talk on current topics and I won't even have to talk about them because it doesn't even matter because if love is not the first thing people see in us then we're doing it wrong. Jesus says you better stay in me and stayed in me the first thing that looks like me the first thing that continues the first thing that remains the first thing that's effective is to love each other in the same way I've loved you. And then he looks at them and he says this in verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. His commandment was love. You're my friends if you love. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Let me tell you this right now. Through grace, we aren't just these people that are just lucky to be there. We're not just, we could be. he go, hey, you guys could come to heaven, but when you're in heaven, you'll just always feel ee, barely eked in here. But no, he calls us sons and daughters, and Jesus is calling us friends. But listen, Luke 17 is true too. We're tools in the hands of the master. So we don't need to get the wrong idea we just got this thing. We just sit around and we do. Luke 17 says, hey, does a master call in his servant and say, hey, let's all eat together? No, he calls in his servant. He says, fix me a meal. Get my robe. Set my house up. And then what thanks does he get? Nothing, because it's just the job well done. Yeah, we're friends. We have a job to do. And that job gives us fulfillment and purpose, because that job for once is something that doesn't involve us. See, John... John 8, 31, 32, Jesus was looking, I know I've referenced this before, but here's what he says. Jesus says, hey, to be my disciple, you must abide in my teachings. You must continue on and then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, how? There was no Bible back then. So what he's saying is if you act like me, look like me and do the things I say, you'll be my disciple and you'll know the truth. Well, what truth will I know? We'll know the truth that living for Christ is the only way to live. That being last really feels like first. Putting others before yourselves, not lording over your position, is actually freeing. Living a life of humility is the real truth. And that truth will set you free. Because see, that's what people need to know. They used to live under this idea that you were earning something, but now you don't have to earn a thing because it was given to you and that's all you have to offer is the truth of who Jesus is. And if that doesn't fire you up, my question is, do you know him? Jesus says, I didn't choose. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Jesus chose us. He chose those disciples. He walked up and he said, hey, I'll make you a fisher of men. And no matter what they did, he came back and he redeemed them. Peter, the worst of all. And they went on to do amazing things. And guess what they went on to do? Most of them died. Horrible deaths in the name of Jesus. They weren't doing it wrong. No, that meant they were doing it right. I would bet that everyone in here who's continued to try and live for themselves is absolutely miserable. And and maybe this isn't a message for you today. Maybe today you walk in this room and you're like, man, I'm here. It's the only way I could stay married. Man, I'm here because, man, this is the only place I could go. My probation officer lets me go. I got out for an hour, whatever. You may be here and you know inside you're rotten and there's not a thing going on. And maybe you don't need this message today, but maybe you need it tomorrow. Well, then it's for you because it's true today and tomorrow and forever. here's the truth. Jesus, this Jesus is the same Jesus that in less than a day will die on the cross, not because he deserved to, but exactly what we sang about, but because you deserve to. And as he's walking to that cross and that certain death, what he told his disciples and what he ultimately is telling you and me is that if we'll just stay with him, no matter what it looks like, no matter how hard it gets, that we'll have the ability to love in a way that will change the world. That's what he wanted to say. That's what he told them. It's one of the things he told them. And this is what he ends with. This is my command, John 15, 17. Love each other. I don't know what love looks like for you, but I, I know that it's, it's a really difficult situation, right? It's not, it's not hard to, get, to accept love. It's hard to give love when love isn't deserved. So the question is, today in your life, who have you been wrong about that needs love? a touch further than you want to go. Who's that? Who's a touch further past where you've already went? Who's a touch further past what you've already done that nobody knows? Who is that person who needs love and how do you change someone's life? It's only going to happen if we remain in Christ. Remaining in Christ allows us to love like Christ. I have one thing to encourage you to do this week. Remain, slash continue, slash abide, whichever word works for you. In the things of Christ. And here's what they are, spoiler alert. It's been in the Bible from the, well, since you and I've been born for sure. Fruits of the Spirit. I didn't know what those were. See, my mom was a, used to clean at a church and I was in charge of vacuuming the assembly hall big Lutheran church I just it was a fancy self-propelled vacuum and it was bigger than that's twice as big as this it's completely cleared and all I did was up and down and there was this huge banner that said love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, gentleness, faithfulness self-control and I just said them all and sometimes I'd say them in a funny accent sometimes I'd say them backwards sometimes I'd say them for hours I didn't know what they were one day somebody said you know what the evidence is that Jesus is living inside of you I, no, I have no idea. And they said, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. They said, did you know that there's no law against that? I'd obviously been talking to them because they did some bad stuff. So maybe the reason you can't remain in Christ is because you're hung up on what you're already doing. I'm here to free you from that. It's less about what you need to stop doing, and it's more about what you need to start doing. It's more about what you need to stop looking at and more what you need to look at. Because what Jesus did is real. And what you lack is a belief that that happened. And the more you become to understand that he isn't just some guy that we tell each other story about, but that he's living and he's breathing. Not then, now. And he's doing that, and he did that, not because you deserved it, but because he loves you. When we understand that, it compels us that the stuff we don't want to do falls away because we're too busy doing the stuff that he calls us to do, that the love we have for him compels us to do. Because to remain in Christ allows us to love Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. For this opportunity, and next week as we pick up another reality of what we would face, we ask that you would strengthen us, that you'd show us, that you'd give us insight in the into our lives where we need to remain in you, to to lean into the conversation that you've started in us through prayer, the conversation that you've started in us through your word, and that we might find that when we remain in you, we find the truth, and that truth sets us free and others free, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys. Have a great day.